Coming up on Podcast 1652, big news. Tesla opened up their charge connector for anyone to use. I'll tell you why. Stick around. Also on the show today, the China Motor Show kicks off. Lots of EVs to look forward to. Uh, The Euro 7 regulations come in to promote electric vehicles and Electrify America's new marketing campaign. I think it's rather good. Those stories and a lot more coming up today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for the weekend, Saturday 12th of November. My name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. A little weekend watch recommendation if you're looking for something to have a look at on the internet. Then I saw that the Autogiffel channel have had a look at the MG4. Now, the MG4 seems to be universally loved. Pretty much every article that I've read and video that I've watched uh, really praises it, I think because of the value which gets people into it. And then they realise, actually, this is a really good EV. The app is pretty good. The battery technology is very good. Hey, this is all right. Now, I was impressed. I had a look at the... Um, base spec big battery, if that makes sense, down at my local MG Hendy in Pool, and was really impressed with it. Actually, it wasn't right for us because my wife really wants a Kona uh, when the mighty, mighty MGs at SEV goes. But uh, the MG4 came very close. And who doesn't love uh, Autogiffel? review. It's so in-depth. I love their videos. Now we'll get into the news and BMW's iX1 production is beginning in Germany, officially starting ahead of first deliveries in the next couple of weeks. The first electric crossover, fully electric crossover uh, with the X1 badge to go all electric. Revealed back in May, going to be sold in Europe and China. For now, only one variant on the market, the X-Drive 30. So how big's the battery, if you're wondering? I can tell you, 66.5 kilowatt hours on the iX1. That is about 272 miles on a full battery. And compared with the petrol version, it's obviously much quicker because EVs are just way better. Not to 62 miles now, that's not to 100 kilometers per hour in only 5.7 seconds. That is 313 horsepower. It'll charge, I think, pretty decently. 127 kilowatts peak rate. Don't know the charge curve on that. It's all about the the time it takes to get to 80%, isn't it? But that's a pretty decent peak rate if it can hold it. The iX1 starts at 55,000 euros in Germany. Will it go to the US, you ask? Well, my American listeners are asking. At the moment, no. I don't think that is a, a tiny range vehicle but you know the ix3 isn't sold in the us either and i think that's because of range reasons but there we go right moving on and the Vauxhall corsa a very important car here opal corsa if you like if uh, that's your flavor is going to be redesigned and have a range boost according to autocar magazine it's the uk's best-selling super mini actually and it's getting a midlife refresh in the second half of next year So, if you like the Corsa, look out for the new EV version. New tech inside it, new powertrain options as well. And the Corsa E is going to get a bigger battery, and they're going to be borrowing from their uh, stablemate, if you like, their cousin car, the Peugeot E208. So, 55 kilowatt hours, highly likely. We don't know confirmation yet, but it's pretty much certain it would be the uh, the innards of the Peugeot E208. 248 miles of range. There's talk of the... GS or the GSE uh, sub-brand at Opel, Vauxhall. And so that's a sportier version. That would be firmed up. Not exactly 
particularly hot hatch, but certainly a performance version and zero emissions, loads of fun. Uh, the hot version, if you want to call it a hot hot hatch version, uh, £35,000 roughly. And I think you've really got to want the car for that because, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you've got vehicles like the MG, which are really lowering people's expectations of small electric vehicles. Actually, the MG4 isn't a small electric vehicle. It's a pretty decent family vehicle. And we do know next year as well, the MG4, as well as coming with the small battery and the big battery base range, and then there is the trophy spec as well, which is above 30 grand. There's also going to be an all-wheel drive, because it's on a pure EV platform for the first time from MG, an all-wheel drive hot version of that. Now you're talking. Even in the trim that's out at the minute, it handles pretty well, honestly. They've got it dialed in. So a hot version, an all-wheel drive, hot MG4. For what, 35, 36 grand? I, I'm totally guessing at that. Um, I don't think MG are trying to rinse their customers for every bit of profit margin. I think they're building scale at the minute in Europe and the UK with competitive pricing. Hey, it's working. And uh, they're rising up the sales charts really quickly. Now, the China Motor Show kicks off in Tianjin, and that is going to show 990 vehicles, of which a third of them are going to be. EVs. So it's not an EV domination, but hey, a third of the cars showing up, both Chinese brands and overseas brands, full electric. The European Union are really important at setting the rules, not only for the vehicles that we want on the roads. Of course, there's the 2035 effectively petrol and diesel ban. They're not banning anything, by the way. They're saying you can sell what you like as long as it's zero emission. So they're not specifying the technology, but they're also, with the next generation of Euro 7 regulations, telling the car makers what they can and can't do in terms of emissions. The long-awaited European Commission proposal to reduce air pollution from vehicles released yesterday, modestly tightening exhaust emissions for cars and vans and placing limits on particulates shed from brakes and even tyres for the very first time. Comes into force July 2025. The Euro 7 standards are going to be achieved using the tech already available so the car makers haven't got go away and develop everything from scratch. 20% of vehicles on EU roads will remain combustion engines until 2025 because a vehicle can be bought in the early 2030s that'll be petrol or diesel and they're going to have a lifespan of 20 years, aren't they? And so this will be all about making sure the vehicles that stay on the road for those periods are made to the best standards we can make now. Trucks will face stricter limits because they'll rely on combustion engine technologies for longer, they say, and they said they'll also include rules for things like geofencing to allow hybrid cars to switch to EV power when entering low-emission zones. The Clean Mobility uh, NGO Transport and Environment took aim at the Commission for not placing stricter, stricter pollution limits, though, on those new vehicles. I'll pop a link to Euractive in the show notes if you'd like to read more. And on the subject of brakeware and the microplastics, as the German publication Zeit reports, the industry hopes to get away with the issue of brake abrasion for EVs because of regen or recuperation, as the Europeans tend to call it, rather than brake discs, and changing a slight change to the material mixture for brake pads, but that should, in theory, get past all the regulations. If the limit value drops, says Electrive, to 3 milligrams for 2035, that might no longer be enough, but the consequences would be 
nuclear system that possibly even sucks up the brake particles. But like the solution that the German Aerospace Center has presented with a demonstration vehicle. The same applies to the microplastics of tire abrasion, which could also be extracted and encapsulated wheel housing. Man, that sounds sci-fi stuff, but it's all aiming to reduce emissions. Now, let's talk about a name we've talked about occasionally on the podcast, and that is Bollinger Motors. Bollinger will source battery packs for its commercial EVs from the Michigan-based startup Our Next Energy, or One O-N-E. Uh, Bollinger will use One's Aries line of batteries. That's cell-to-pack technology, so taking the battery cells and literally uh, putting them into the structure of the vehicle, a bit like BYD do and uh, CATL's technology and Tesla, of course, quite famous for that, and a modular design that allows for linking the packs together in a replacement to what had previously been announced, their own proprietary pack technology from last year. Bollinger, according to Green Car Reports, Bollinger now anticipates starting production next year not with the passenger vehicles you may think uh, those kind of um, off-roaders but instead they're moving into commercial vehicles as they still try and bring something to market it's been a long old journey for Bollinger uh, class 4 chassis cabs that can be configured with up to two packs uh, followed by a class 5 platform that is walk-in vans and class 6 vehicles as well uh, according to green car reports they write the rollout has been delayed somewhat as Bollinger said in March last year it would deliver its first vehicles in 2022 it also said its chassis cabs will start at $55,000 and offer a battery pack size up to 402 kilowatt hours. Uh, some of that might be subject to change uh, as they were sold recently to Mullen Automotive. Our next energy quite famous for putting their own battery technology in a Tesla Model S and then doing a bazillion miles. Was it a 1,000 kilometres they did, or 600 miles, on that test journey in the US? They plan to demonstrate a mixed chemistry battery pack that could propel BMW, who are an investor, a BMW iX, would get something like 600 miles of real-world range out of their hybrid batteries. Mixed chemistry, uh, part of the battery pack used for almost like long range and part of it for quick charging, a bit like having, I guess an off-board hard drive for archiving stuff and then having fast working memory in your computer, if that's the best way to describe it, it's probably not. (laughs) Not very good at describing this kind of hybrid battery technology. But they say that is a way of incorporating the latest, greatest battery technology without the prices getting silly and then having a bigger battery, maybe even LFP pack uh, for when you need to do long journeys. Right, coming up on the podcast soon, Tesla opening up their EV charge connector technology. Big headline story today and Electrify America have a new marketing campaign hitting your TV screens. I'll tell you about that and a lot more coming up on the podcast soon. Okay, Electrify America are next in the news. Their new marketing campaign has started in the US. Of course, it is America's largest open DC fast charging network. A brand neutral marketing campaign, they say, and they've titled it As Seen on EV, with a twist on the phrase, As Seen on TV. Okay, I was a bit reticent when I first heard, you know, I think of As Seen on TV as a bit like NAF infomercials for, I don't know, like an air fryer or a vacuum cleaner. You know, I think of As Seen on TV as like really bad infomercials that occupy satellite TV in the early hours when regular programming isn't on with cheesy hosts. And I'm like, I don't know. I saw they were going to call it As Seen on EV. And I thought, oh, that's going to be terrible. It's really not, actually. I'm still not sure about As Seen on EV. What they've done... It's taken genres of TV programs and made 
10 or 20 second little commercials out of them. And they say that they're aiming at the streaming generation and there's a bunch of marketing speak that I think justifies probably all the big budgets that get thrown into it, all the usual flowery language that goes around it of, oh, we're really educating those that are into streaming platforms and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but the basics, they've taken genres of telly and you know like date reality dating shows or telenova and made some really well written very short nice little um sort of almost like they're almost snippets because they're made for digital uh, streaming and stuff like that ads that you, you wouldn't fast forward because they're so short and they're really good uh, they address the common misconceptions about ev ownership like driving range and charging access there's a really good one that is a twist on uh sort of i think like sense and sensibility a bit like english period drama uh, with two women in like you know nineteenth uh, century flowery dresses talking about electric cars, but honestly, I'm not doing it justice. I thought they were really, really good, and I'll pop a link. There's three video ads that have gone live already, with more to be released later. I'll pop a link to the media website of uh, the press area of Electrify America. That'll probably link through to their YouTube channel or something if you want to have a look. Now, headline story: Then Tesla is opening up its EV charge connector in the hope of making it a new standard, and they won't be the new standard. And I'll tell you why I think that and why I think they're doing it after I give you the news. Uh, Yesterday, Tesla announced they were going to open up their charge connector, they say, in the hope of making it the North American charging standard. In fact, they've named it the North American charging standard, which is at best optimistic because it's not a standard in any way because no one else uses it. But, you know, in 10 years' time, everybody could be using the Tesla connector. But they won't, and I'll tell you why. And it's a shame, actually, because the Tesla plug using the same pins for either DC or AC is so much lighter and elegant. If that's a word that you want to apply to charging connectors, and I don't want to get, you know, too waffly here, but I think the Tesla connector is more elegant. It's certainly better designed than the CCS combo plug. It's certainly smaller and much more lightweight. Honestly, I've plugged in some... High-powered chargers recently, uh, you know, the big 350-kilowatt units. And because the cables are cooled as well, they are, for me, really heavy. Let alone if someone perhaps was in a a wheelchair or had some accessibility issues. I'm thinking, man, oh, man, these connectors cannot keep getting heavier. If it was the Tesla connector, that would be amazing. We first saw it 10 years ago on the Model S, and they announced they're opening up their connector to anyone in the car industry, and they've renamed it not the Tesla connector, the North American charging standard. According to Tesla, and I quote in their own words, in pursuit of our mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, today we're opening our EV connector design to the world. We invite charging network operators and vehicle manufacturers to put the Tesla charging connector and charge port, now called NACS, on their equipment. NACS is the most common charging standard in North America. NACS vehicles outnumber CCS 2 to 1, and Tesla's supercharging network has 60% more NACS posts than all of the CCS combined. As a standard, uh, it is agnostic to use, they say, and the communication protocol is straightforward to adopt. According to the Electric website, uh, the design and specification files are now online to download. Every car maker in North America delivering vehicles, however, uses the CCS connectors. And they won't change because the CCS standard, which is developed and governed and driven forward by the Charin organization, of which the members are 
the German car makers. So the CCS standard is in itself owned, if you like, by the big German OEMs. They're not going to start using the Tesla connector. Let me throw a theory out here, just a thought, that the federal money, the public money being made available to charging networks or uh, to build chargers across America, that is available to anyone who is making uh, a charging station available to, uh, I believe the phrase is, to any more than one brand or more than one car maker. Now, of course, Tesla is the only one that uses the Tesla connector. Sorry, not Tesla, North American charging standard. If they can persuade just one other small niche car maker, say Aptera even, if they can persuade them to use the Tesla connector, all of a sudden, it's not only one car maker using that connector. And that, in theory, I don't know, I'm not, (laughs) I've not read the rules. I imagine that would then allow them to apply for federal money funding to build lots and lots of Tesla supercharging stations because it's no, they're no longer Tesla supercharging stations. They are the NACS standard, which is a kind of genius move, if you like. Well played, Tesla. Well played. Uh, should public money be made available to build Tesla supercharging stations? Argue that amongst yourselves. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, something happening at EVgo. They're launching a new promotional charging plan for Tesla owners. It's called the Tesla Plus Promo Plan, allowing drivers to use any fast charger in the company's network and added bonus for drivers with the adapter, the Combo One adapter. All Tesla drivers automatically qualify for the Tesla Plus Promo Plan and can sign up now. You get the EVgo app and that will give drivers a three-month trial of the subscription plan. According to Tesla Rati, you then get lower charging rates and free charger reservations. I'm not sure how charger reservations work. I've never had to do it. But uh, Tesla drivers with the Combo One adapter, which was on the market from the end of September, can enroll in EVgo's Auto Charge Plus program. So again, you just plug in, it starts working. Uh, the program projects around 20% savings for Tesla drivers, giving them access to high-powered chargers. Um, and they waive the $7 a month fee for the first three months. Whether any Tesla drivers will go for that will probably depend on where your superchargers are located. If you're well-served, um, I don't imagine you'd go for it, but if you are near some EVgo staff and you need it, that's a pretty decent thing. I mean, getting uh, getting the app and having to pay a subscription, none of that's ideal. Auto Charge Plus is very good because it's as close as you can get to the Tesla experience. I will wait and see how many people pick that up. Uh, let me finally talk a little bit about fleet, uh, fleet operations and why it's so important. Something to think about over the weekend. Uh, Alex Partners released an analysis of commercial and governmental fleet industries in the US, finding that operators could be wasting $75 billion. Alex Partners calculates the $75 billion should be spent on the conversion to electric vehicles. If you look at the operations, use case, uh, the fast charging that's needed, the EV battery costs, and the infrastructure needed for fleets. Aaron Kumar is the MD in the automotive and industrial practice at Alex Partners, saying, and I quote, our analysis shows that the price tag for fleets in the US 
will be no less than $75 billion. If that money isn't spent wisely, companies will suffer. Fleets need to take a fact-based approach to transitioning uh, from the internal combustion engine. Now, that's very true, and you need to think about it in a broad way. This is a once-in-a-lifetime move from combustion to electric. And you need to, if you run a fleet, you need to think about charging infrastructure. Will you use public charging? Will you have your own at your depots? How long will you charge for? If your vehicles are off the road, overnight, say, then you can charge very differently than a vehicle that might have three different drivers a day and is effectively running 24-7. You know, you need to DC fast charge all the time while it's being reloaded at the depot. You want your charging near where the reloading gate is being done, for instance. Otherwise, if it's being parked up, doesn't really matter where it's parked up. You can put that near the charging infrastructure. And things like route planning, all very important stuff to think about. Fleets are going to make a huge difference, by the way, to cleaning up our air. So we've got to get it right. That's your podcast for today. Thanks to premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK, Octopus Electric Universe Global Public Charging made simple with one app and one map, Millbrook Cost Cottages.co.uk. They are five-star luxury cottages down in Devon and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good and see tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.